0: Awesome. Yay, Jesus. Whew. It's been good already, huh? Yeah. I like this morning. I like it because God's here. <laughs> I like to be anywhere God is. Amen. Amen. That's just a good place to be. Uh, thank you, Father, for your presence and your spirit that is that is in this place. <laughs> spirit of refreshing. Just continue to increase over us in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, God. (laughs) Don't get too comfortable, you fall asleep. I don't know if this is grabbed the right one or not. Oh, empowered by his presence. You guys been enjoying the presence of God so far? Yeah, yeah come on. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> the, the more aware we become of his presence, the more we can be empowered by his presence. Amen? That's a pretty, pretty basic statement. <clears throat> but I love the fact that the Bible tells us that he is in all and through all. Amen? Amen? <laughs> The, the Bible also tells us that all things were created by him and for him, that, that there's nowhere we can go that he isn't. Oh. <laughs> if that's true, then, then the reality is that we don't always need more of God to come, which I, I believe in that too. I pray it. I sing it. I love it. But the reality is we don't always need more of God to come. We simply need to be more aware of the God that's already here. <laughs> he's in all and through all. <laughs> that means he's already in you. He's already in the, in the person sitting next to you. He's already in the air that we're breathing. He created it all. He's already here. We are living in his creation He's increasing our capacity to be aware of his nearness. Thank you, Father. And in his presence, that we're, we are empowered by him. Do you know, uh, uh, probably, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago, and I've been, I've been, I've been traveling, doing this, this type of ministry for, for 12 years, traveling, kind of itinerating, although I my wife and I work for the church back home full time, and we do this also, but <clears throat> I've been doing this for 12 years on the road and been going after God and the supernatural for uh, going on 17 years and, you know, seeing God do a lot of cool stuff, but, you know, there's, there has been at times this, a little bit of this wrestle, because I want all of God, amen, and <laughs> want all he's pouring out, but I don't like, I don't like hype, and, you know, I don't like, Show, the show, and I don't like I don't like any of that stuff. The kingdom of heaven never has been and never will be hype, amen. <laughs> and uh, you know, but unknowingly, this this thing started to creep in a couple years ago of like of like, oh God, I just I don't want to be I don't want to be labeled as you know the man of power or you know I it just I don't want it to feel artificial. And I didn't realize that I had started to create distance in myself and what the Lord was wanting to do. And then the Lord brought a check to my spirit, and he spoke to me. And he said, "He said, I don't want you, I don't want you to be afraid. It wasn't the exact word. I don't want you to, to, to resist the anointing. And I'll tell you this, because the word anointing in the Greek, it actually means to be smeared or covered, come on Jesus, <laughs> the Old Testament picture of anointing is that when the prophet or the king was being set into office, they would, they would take the, the flask or the horn of oil and they would, they would put a little drop on their head, no, <laughs> they, would, they would pour the whole thing out over their head until it just poured, remember Aaron, until it, it ran off of his beard, that's that's anointed that's the old testament picture of anointed in the new testament we are called to be anointed but to be anointed with what his presence his presence and so literally the anointing is him so a couple of years ago, probably two years ago, God brought a check to my heart because the, the, this little bit of distance had started to be created. And God said, don't hesitate. Don't, don't let distance come because before the anointing is power, it's intimacy. Okay, that side of the room didn't get it. <laughs> anointing is to be smeared. Smeared with what? His presence. Last night, his presence is him. Same crowd, right? You guys were here last night. (laughs) Just say this with me. His His anointing is him. His anointing is him, and we're called to be smeared, covered. Covered with what? With him, not the show. Not the television ministry, and not the man of power, a woman of power for the hour. Not, not oh, I had this miracle, you had this miracle, well, I had this. No, it's him. And if it becomes a, a display of power, great. But before it's ever that, when we are covered with the anointing, it's him. It's intimacy. It's, it's my king. Ah. Oh. It's it's him and I in this love embrace. It's it's him sharing himself with me tangibly. Oh, that's a good word. <laughs> Anybody want to be more anointed? <laughs> for God, for God to share himself with us tangibly. Let's just pretend like it's an evening service and not a morning service. (laughs) Just pretend like it's 7 p.m. and just say, Come on, Jesus. (laughs) I'm ready to get lit on fire all over again. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) All right, we have 30 minutes. (laughs) Woohoo. In Luke chapter 10, we are going to, I'm going to set the stage with this and then we are going to, we're going to jump into uh, a message on the anointing and, and partnering with the anointing. But say it with me, the anointing is him. So I want you, I want us to keep that in mind. When we're talking about the anointing, we're not talking about just, just, oh, He's talking about having these displays of power, which it it can and does and will become that, but it doesn't start there, amen? In in Luke chapter 10, it's the story of Jesus sending out the 70. (laughs) Thank you, Father. And in in verse 8, it says, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has just come near to you. Ah. He says, he says, heal the sick there. Where? Wherever you go. (laughs) If you're taking notes you should write that down (laughs) wherever you go heal the sick there and sometimes I think that line grabs our attention but in my estimation the next line is the most profound line and tell them this the kingdom of God has just come near to you and it's actually the reason that God heals the sick And I love to tell people that the number two reason that God heals people is because he doesn't want them to have pain or sickness in their body. The number one reason that God heals people is because he wants them to know he's just come near to them. Oh, do you know what happens in that moment that, that, that in the moment of healing in the moment of of, of experiencing the miraculous there's this, this uh, there's this transference of identity of sonship of even royalty come on jesus <laughs> and here's here 's why I became so passionate about about healing and the miraculous, not because I need a name, not because, oh, I want, we just want to see the next great miracle, but because the transference of identity that happens in that moment. Yeah. The light bulb. You guys love it when the light bulb comes on? The person just realizes that, that Jesus did it for them, yeah. that he died for them, that their sins have been forgiven, Oh, that he really is a good father, and boom, the light bulb comes on. That's my favorite moment. However it happens, that's my favorite moment. But but in, in one healing is encapsulated the entire essence of the gospel message. Not the entire message, word for, the essence of the message is encapsulated in one miracle. If you've had back pain for 20 years and God shows up and in a moment God restores your discs and heals your back and all the pain is gone and the mobility is restored. The things you couldn't do before, now you can do them with ease and you couldn't carry groceries up the stairs or pick up your grandchildren whatever. Now you can do it all. You know what happens in that moment? There's this transference of identity. And a couple of things happen in that moment. And even for, even for somebody who's not yet a believer, a pre-believer, they're still struck with this reality Number one is God must be real. (laughs) Here's the gospel God must be real. (laughs) He must be available. And he must love me. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. And then it's his kindness that leads people to repentance. I'm passionate. I'm passionate about healing, I'm passionate about the miraculous but I'm not passionate about it to see another miracle. I'm passionate about it because I love to see the light bulb come on. Go into all the world, heal the sick, and as you do, tell them the kingdom of God has just come near to you. Do you know if you're, if you're praying for the sick to see the sick healed, just to see the sick healed, you're already doing it in the wrong place oh this is about to be a good word (laughs) but but watch this if you shift your heart and you start to do out of place oh I want you to have an experience with the reality that the kingdom of God just came near to you guess what God will do to back that up he'll heal the sick (laughs) that's called the easy button somebody say come on Jesus I don't think this is my water. Is there another water over there? <laughs> I grabbed the wrong one. Is there? A, okay, thank you. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Yay, Jesus. Oh. <clears throat> Still in Luke 10, he tells them to go and, go and heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God has just come near to you. And then, <clears throat> for time's sake, I'll just, I'll just tell the story a bit. We all know it. Then, then they return to him, right, and they're all excited. Basically, basically they're excited saying, Jesus, it really worked. Yeah. This stuff happened. Even the demons were subject to, subject to us in your name. And that's awesome, but God does the same thing. He redirects their hearts back to the main thing. He says, don't get too excited about that, but get excited that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Restoring the joy of salvation, right? But then, what's the next line saying? Then he said to them in in, in Luke 10, 18, then he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You know why? Not Not because the sick got healed and because demons got cast out, but because his children were getting it. All right, I'll let that one hang there for time's sake. <laughs> then he says, verse 19, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Say all the power of the enemy. Aww. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirit is subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Then verse 21, it says, In that hour, thank you very much, Verse 21 of Luke 10, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced, say rejoiced. rejoiced, rejoiced in the spirit and said, thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Ha-ha. Do you know that word rejoice there? It says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced. The 70 went out. They did the stuff, they healed the sick, demons were cast out, they came back excited. Wow, it really worked. He said, Don't get too excited about that. Remember, it's all about your name is written in, in the book of heaven. But then it says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced. That word rejoiced there means he jumped up in the air with twisting and shouting and exuberant great joy. Look it up, look it up for yourself. <laughs> It, it means he jumped up in there with twisting and shouting and exuberant great joy. What does that mean? It means Jesus had a Jesus party. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I think he's our model for life and ministry. <clears throat> if if Jesus gets that excited about us getting it, huh, how excited can we get? <clears throat> I want to talk to you briefly <laughs> about the anointing. And thank you, Father. Empowered by his presence, you know, we can we can get we can get principles but it's more powerful to get his presence because he's better at his job than we are at ours. And he needs less help than we think he needs. And if his presence is with you, which it is, amen, (laughs) we're just growing in our awareness of that, but when his presence is with you, you can even get it wrong and still get it right. (laughs) <laughs> Why because of grace. Come on Jesus. <laughs> Do you know how many people I've got the lead to the Lord because because I approached them with the wrong word of knowledge? <laughs> Somebody said, "Come on Jesus." I approached them with a wrong word of knowledge or a right word of knowledge and they let me pray for them and they didn't get healed. <laughs> <laughs> but they still got born again. <laughs> Why? Because the world, the world doesn't need the next great evangelist. They just need a bunch of people who, who will actually live what they believe. They can, they can see it in your eyes if you actually believe it. It's not our job to be perfect. That's God's job. Our job is just to trust him. Who? Ha ha. It got quiet, shaka-ba-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> Literally, I've prayed for people, got a word of knowledge, prayed for them. How's that feel? It still hurts. Okay, let's pray again. Prayed for them again. How's that feel? It still hurts. Prayed for him again. How's that feel? It still hurts. Well, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I gave my best shot, you know. <laughs> I, <laughs> And I've literally, you know, I could tell you testimonies, but maybe I'll tell some tonight. I want to get to the teaching. But literally, I've had people tell me after that experience, pain is still the same as it was before, and they said to me, I've never seen faith like that before in my life. I literally had a lady on an airplane, I've had multiple stories like this, had a lady on an airplane, prayed for her on the airplane, she didn't get healed. She was waiting for me on the jetway. She had the air cast, crutches. She had two seats on the airplane, one to elevate her foot. And, uh, and, and you know, and she, I prayed for her on the plane. <laughs> nothing happens, you know, and I'm getting more aggressive. And I'm like, come on, this has got to happen. There are, there are people watching, you know. <laughs> Shut that up, I call nobody, you know. <laughs> and nothing happens. And I'm like, well, okay, just pay attention to it. The rest of the flight, if something good happens, just let me know at the end. And she said, "Okay." And you know, so you know, she's at the front of the plane. They let her off first. She's waiting for me on the jetway when I get off the plane. I'm thinking, to myself, oh, something good happened. So I go I'll walk up to her with all this anticipation. I'm like, S- "What happened to your ankle?" And she's like, "Oh, my ankle. It still hurts." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh," <laughs> you know, I'm thinking to myself, "What are you waiting for?" And. And her words to me, goes, she, goes, she goes, I've never seen faith like that before in my life, and I want to know the Jesus that you know. <clears throat> Why? Because she could tell I believed something was going to happen, <laughs> even though it didn't. <laughs> but, but it still did, because she gives her life to Jesus right there in the jetway. We pray together, we hug together, it's awesome, we're all done, and she hobbles off on her crutches. But <laughs> well, how many people know a greater miracle happens? Woo!-huh. Yeah. <laughs> the number two reason God heals people, because he doesn't want them to have pain in their body. The number one reason is that he wants them to, to have an encounter with the revelation that God has just come near to them. <laughs> wow. When we're aware of his presence with us, we can get it wrong and still get it right. <laughs> I have a whole message on all the times that I got it wrong, and God still showed up and fixed it. <laughs> I am tempted. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, Okay. the last 15 minutes, help me, Jesus. Just extend your hands towards me. Please, extend your hands towards me and say, Jesus, Jesus. Help. help. He needs it. Amen. All right. Okay. Talking about the presence. Why are we talking about the presence? Because, you know, we're just we're displaying his presence, his nature. We're moving into more of God, and we want to just talk, a, a, just lay some foundation, get some revelation on operating and partnering with him because we want lasting fruit. As we said last night, we don't just want good meetings. We want good meetings. We don't just want good meetings. We want the ripple effect. We want God to flow out from this place because the anointing is him. We're called to be covered and smeared in his presence So I want to talk about how three ways that we partner with his presence, which is him, the anointing, and that we increase our operation as that. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, Three ways. The first is that the presence, the anointing rests, sorry, the first way is that it starts in, in us. It's in us, then it rests upon us. And then it begins to affect the atmosphere all around us. It's in us, it's upon us, and it's around us. Come on, Jesus. <clears throat> it is starting at the beginning. It is in us. It's the Word of God. It's truth. It's reality. It's identity. And it has to start inside of us. It has to come alive inside of us. Amen? That Hebrews 4.12 says the word of god is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Do you know that that word active there in the greek it shares the same root word where we get our word energy. Our english word energy. The word of god is living, it's alive and it has energy. It's active. The word of god has its own ability, its own energy to go out and to create and to transform. God spoke, and the worlds were formed. Amen. Amen. Ah. <laughs> and actually, this, this first point actually mirrors part of what I talked about last night. I'm not repeating the same message. I'm just, <laughs> I, I borrowed last night from this. I'm just recapping on some of that, and then we'll go into new material. Uh, John 8:32, you will know the truth, and the truth will. Set you free. And I mentioned last night that that word truth there can actually more aptly be translated reality. You will know the reality. What reality? Well, one of the realities is that his presence is him. And his, the anointing is being covered, being smeared with him. Which is, which is the reality of a superior realm. It causes this inferior realm to begin to line up with that superior realm. Come on, Jesus. That's called the easy button. <laughs> Again, we talked about this part last night, the rhema word of God. The word of God is living and active, but it's got, it's got to be living before it becomes active. <laughs> and we can invite, one of the most powerful things we can do is we can invite Jesus We can invite Holy Spirit to read the word with us. He is a a great interpreter of his word. (laughs) But we can ask God to to read the word with us, and we can watch him breathe on the word. So that as we talked about last night, it's not just information, but he actually breathes on it, and it becomes revelation. It becomes a lie. Because when it becomes alive inside is when the energy of the word is released. And that energy begins to create anticipation in us. It's not just information. Like, oh yeah, I know in there somewhere it says that, you know, we'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I know in there that it says he's given us authority over all the power of the enemy. Ah, It says it in there somewhere, I know. It's just, it's just, it's just information. But when God breathes on it ha <laughs> ha not for me when he breathes on it for you and it goes Phew. oh wait a minute he's talking to me <laughs> he's talking to me he's given me authority to lay hands on the sick and see them recover that's his desire for me that yeah. he's given me authority over all manner of sickness and all manner of disease Matthew 10:1 <laughs> He's giving me authority over all the power of the enemy. We just read in Luke 10. Wow, he's talking to me. Something begins to bubble up. Life, expectancy starts to bubble up, and it's no longer information. It becomes revelation. It becomes reality, and things start to change. Come on, Jesus. (laughs) It's, It's the word of God. It's the anointing that's becoming alive and active inside of us. How many people believe that he's talking to you? That was overwhelming. <laughs> Almost got knocked over. <laughs> that, that thing that comes alive inside is faith. Do you know that, that for belief to become faith, it has to have expectancy connected to it? That we believe... We, uh, the church in general, believes for a lot of things that they never see. And the reason is because they don't have expectancy connected to what they believe. Let's look at it like this. That, that there's, there's, there's still some of the body of Christ that doesn't believe that, that miracles or healings are even supposed to happen today. So they train themselves out of any expectancy. <laughs> so how much, how much healing do they see? And then there's, then there's the part of the body of Christ who believes, like, oh, God could heal, you know, if he wanted to. I'm not sure if it's his will. I'm not sure, you know, when he wants to, but, you know, I know he's God. It's in his capacity, how much healing do they see? And then there's the part of the body of Christ like the people in this room (laughs) who believe that he's good, who not only believe that he can heal, believe he wants to heal, believe he's good at doing it, and believe he even wants to do it right now. And that that thing is actually a bubbling reality inside. Like, oh my goodness, I can feel it. He wants to do it right now. (laughs) How much healing do they see? (laughs) For belief to become faith has to have expectancy connected to it. That that bubbling inside is, is faith at work. Faith is the muscle that pulls on heaven. What becomes alive inside, that's the word of God in us, It then transfers, and that faith, oh, God, you're talking to me. The Spirit of the living God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, recovery of sight to the blind. And and that faith, God, you're talking to me, begins to pull on heaven, and we begin to become covered. Covered. Smeared with what? With Him, with His presence, with the anointing, for the reality that's alive inside of us, God actually begins to rest on us for that that we have expectancy for inside. Our pastor says it like this all the time. He says He's in you for your sake. He's upon you for their sake. <laughs> wow. Ooh. Ooh, I can feel it. Wow. <laughs> My left hand is is starting to burn and tingle. Thank you, Father. He actually actually begins to smear you, cover you. What does that mean? He comes and he puts a drop on you. Boop. No. (laughs) That's not his desire. Anyway, he wants to pour himself out. (sighs) But the pouring comes according to what's alive inside of us. So the word of God is in us, and it's upon us. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says this. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The substance. What's that? A tangible, detectable reality. Come on. A tangible, detectable reality. What? The presence. The anointing. Faith can manifest itself in a tangible way. Come on, Jesus. Some of the greatest miracles we've ever seen were just accompanied by this sense of peace. Sometimes there's, you know, lightning and pow, people get knocked over chairs. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes we feel nothing, but we're still aware that he's with us. Come on, Jesus. Wow. Put your hands out in front of you. Faith is, our faith is the substance. Say substance. Substance. Father, we just thank you. We invite your presence. We thank you that they're already your children, <laughs> that you already love them, that you already decided to pour yourself out upon us. You already decided to give yourself freely. You've already paid for all things. God, I thank you that we don't have to twist your arm to come and get you to do what was already your idea, <laughs> So, God, we ask for your presence, your anointing, just to increase, just to rest on us, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, the second part of the verse is, it's the the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Or in my estimation, it's the evidence of things not yet seen. It can't be evidence if you're never going to see it. That was a good word. (laughs) So, what is resting on you? And again, it's not about it's not about if you tangibly feel it. Remember, I'm using the language aware. Sometimes we feel something, sometimes we don't. Some people feel more than others. It doesn't matter. It's what is alive inside. What is bubbling with anticipation inside? Because he will rest on you according to that measure. I want you to hold your hands out in front of you again. And I want you to become aware of the one who is resting upon you. Thank you, Father. It's the substance of faith. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. What does that mean? It means that substance of faith, the presence, the anointing that is resting on you is the evidence of what you're about to see. I want you to, oh, I want you to open your eyes. I want you to look at your hands. (laughs) Well, your awareness of God resting on you is evidence. Look at your hands. The presence of God. Some of you feel it in a more tangible way than others. It doesn't matter. It's aware. What is resting on you right now is the evidence of what you're about to see. That in your hands right now, there is authority for deaf ears opening up. Why? Because his presence is him. (laughs) Healing isn't something he has to do. Healing is something he is. Wow! In your hands right now, yeah, look at your hands. In your hands right now is diabetes fleeing, back pain disappearing, tumors dissolving, necks being straightened, fused vertebrae being loosed, legs lengthening, knees being healed, ligaments being restored, cataracts disappearing, tinnitus fleeing, cancer dissolving. You name it, it's right there. It's resting on you in Jesus' name. We just have the ability to increase our awareness of what's already resting on us. Come on, Jesus. Amen. In, in, in John 20, Jesus says to the, his disciples, as the Father has, has sent me, I also send you. And then it says he breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, people know that when he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you, it means in the same fashion or in like manner, in the same way that the Father sent me, so I send you. How is Jesus' ministry Started, kicked off when he was baptized in the Jordan River and the Holy Spirit descended upon him, anointed, in the form of a dove, rested upon him and remained. <laughs> wow. And then he says, As I was sent into the world, so I send you. And he breathed on them and said, Receive the same Holy Spirit. Come on, Jesus. <clears throat> well, Paul, Paul takes this, this awareness of this so far than in Acts 19, 12, it tells us that even handkerchiefs and aprons that were brought from his body healed the sick and diseases left them and evil spirits went out from them. Say tangible. I know I'm going really fast. <laughs> Are we doing Okay. The tangible anointing. It was, Paul was so aware of what was resting on him that, he, that they would literally take aprons and handkerchiefs that had been on his body, that had been in contact with him and what was upon him, and they would take those, and they would send them out across the country, and demons would flee people's bodies. Wow, come on, Jesus. <laughs> Sicknesses would leave. I think, oh. Does it ever baffle anybody when Jesus says the things that I've done, you'll also do in even greater things? That blows my mind. But we, we do have this one story. There was this, there was this young, uh, uh, I, I, it's been a few years now, but a, a, I believe it was a young lady, um, uh, like teenage, dying in Africa with, with a brain tumor. And they called in to the healing rooms and said, can you pray? And, and so this is before we were even doing Skype prayer in the healing rooms. But, but we're like, you know, they said, can you send a prayer cloth? And so we got a prayer cloth and we start praying over the prayer cloth. And, you know, we're going to mail the prayer cloth. But then they call back before we even mailed it. And they're like, she's in such bad shape. The prayer cloth's not going to get here in time. And then somebody had the idea Let's, let's take a photocopy of the prayer cloth, <laughs> and let's fax the photocopy of the prayer cloth to Africa. They fax a copy, they fax the photocopy of the prayer cloth to Africa, and they lay the, the, they lay the copy of the fax of the photocopy... They got Africa on the girl's head, and the tumor dissolves. <laughs> wow, for belief to become faith, it has to have expectancy connected to it. Wow, how many people think there was some expectancy in that equation right there? I can't even take credit for that one. I'm just, I'm just a witness. <laughs> but there was some expectancy and God's like, I can work with that. <laughs> they're They're driving down the, the highway and they get the phone call about their friend with a stroke and they're like, hey, let's just pray right here. <laughs> Are not you glad that you, you never go out of God's signal range? And they pray from a moving vehicle. And the, the man is totally restored from, the, from his stroke. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. For, what we, for, for what we believe to become faith has to have expectancy connected to it. <clears throat> thank you, Jesus. That, wow. Wow, thank you, Father. Jesus models this when everyone who touched his hem was healed. Matthew 14, 35 and 36. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding regions, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many touched it, were made perfectly well. Come on, Jesus. There's, it goes on with examples there. But the anointing that starts with, with a living revelation inside of us which becomes our expectancy, our faith that pulls on heaven and God begins to cover us with his presence, with his intimacy, which is a superior reality that causes this inferior reality to line up with that superior reality, that we can actually become so comfortable in that place that it begins to affect environments all around us. Oh, you could, you could actually, you actually get so comfortable in this place that miracles begin to happen by accident. <laughs> you, just, you just bump into somebody, you know, who's sick, and you're like, oh, excuse me. They're like, what just happened to me? I just got healed. <laughs> it's, it's really true. We've seen, we've seen the most phenomenal things. I have a friend. I have a friend who, he's, a, he's an artist, and uh, so he, he just partnered with God. He just, he just renewed his expectancy, and he said, God, how do you want to partner with the gifts that you've given me? And so God started sending him out in the streets, and he would do things like, he would do things like, he would, um, he would, he would draw, he would have these pieces of paper, he cut out these square pieces of paper, he'd draw stick figures of people on them. And then he would get words of knowledge, and he would take a red marker, so if he's like left shoulder, he would like, he'd like put a red mark on the left shoulder. And then he'd walk around, and out in the community, in the neighborhood, and he'd be like, hey, excuse me, but do you have a problem with your left shoulder? People are like, yeah, how do you know that? He's like, oh, God showed me, look, here it is, I drew it, right here. (laughs) And then he'd be like, here, hold this picture, and they would hold the picture, and they would get healed. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> you're looking at me like you're not sure. <laughs> his name is Francesco Sedeli. You could call him and ask. He's a good friend of mine. <laughs> he would also do things like he would, he, would, uh, he, would, he would ask God. It's all about partnering with God. And, and when God speaks, how many people know that when we come into his presence that our, that our that our expectation begins to elevate to match his. And so he would say, God, what do you want me to do? And God would say stuff like, take out a marker and just go out in the community. So he'd go around, he'd get a word of knowledge, like, hey, you have a problem with your, you know, your right shoulder. And he'd be like, Yeah. And he'd be like, I felt like God just wants me to draw this smiley face on your shoulder. Is that okay? People would let him do it. So he would just draw a smiley face on their shoulder and their shoulder would get healed. It went as far as this. He, would, he started taking chalk out into the community, and he would draw pictures on the, on, the, on the sidewalk. He would draw like a dove. Sometimes he would just draw a square. Now, I'm not much of an artist, but I could do that. <laughs> he would just draw a square on the sidewalk, but he would pray over the square, and he would invite God's presence, say his presence, to come and fill the square, knowing that God is, is everywhere. <clears throat> and he would, he would cultivate this expectancy that God's right there. And then he would just stand around by by people are walking by. He'd be like, hey, do you have pain in your left hip? And the people would be like, yeah, how'd you know that? Oh, God showed me. Here, I just, I just feel like you're supposed to stand in the square right here. <laughs> people would stand in the square and get healed. Luke 15 sorry Luke 5:15 through 17 However the pro- report went around concerning him all the more and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed Now, it happened on a certain day as he was teaching, speaking of Jesus, obviously, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of, of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them all. Whew. Wow. This is Jesus we're talking about. And it says, of Jesus, it says, of Jesus And the power of the Lord was present. There was a reality that was with Jesus, that was resting on Jesus to heal them all. And Jesus says, as I was sent, so I send you. That what starts inside of us, inviting God, God, come, come and breathe on the word of God with me. And it starts to come alive. (laughs) You're talking to me. (laughs) And this, this promise is alive for today. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. How many people know that God wants to be the God of today even more than yesterday or forever? Because every day that you wake up, it's today. <laughs> he can't just, he is, but he can't just be the God of yesterday or forever. Because we'll never encounter him. He wants to be the God of today. And when he breathes on it, it comes alive. Like, oh, God, you're talking to me. And this promise is for today. This is amazing. This is awesome. And then that, that faith begins to pull. And God begins to come with his intimacy and his presence and his authority for that thing that came alive inside of your heart. And he begins to rest on you. And that superior reality that is resting on you, that is actually evidence of the things that you're about to see, That superior reality causes this inferior reality to line up with the superior reality. I have God resting on me who doesn't just do healing. He is healing. And if you've got a knee problem, I've got God. (laughs) If you've got a hip problem, I've got God. If you've got a neck problem, I've got God. If you've got cancer, I've got God. Wow. If you've got paralysis, I've got God. (laughs) And my job is just to know who he is, expect good things from him, and release his presence and then celebrate what happens. Wow. You got a knee problem? I've got God who is healing, and that superior reality causes this inferior reality to line up with the superior reality. So here, take some superior reality that I've got on me because I've cultivated awareness of it. Here, take some. Bam. (laughs) Oh, the pain just left. That's awesome. <laughs> Two ladies got it. <laughs> That's good enough for me. <laughs> I'm, gonna, uh, I'm gonna end with this. I'm gonna end with this. I had a, I had a young man. <laughs> I had a young man in the healing rooms, and we. I was teaching about this. You know, the, the superiority calling. The causing the inferior to line up with the superior reality. And I heard him praying for somebody who had a knee problem in the healing rooms one day. And he said, knee, I command you to behave yourself in Jesus' name. And I thought, him, and he was like 19 at the time. And I, he, I heard him say that. And I thought to myself, oh, like my pastoral hat came on, you know. And I'm like, what is this kid talking about? Like, Let me see if I need to scoot over here and just, like, pastor this a bit, like, you know. And as I started to get close, God spoke to me and said, don't touch it. Don't touch it. He actually got what you've been teaching. (laughs) How many people know we were created in God's image? And sickness and disease are things that have come out of alignment with his image, But you are carrying a superior reality. You are carrying his presence. You are anointed to cause those things to come back into alignment with his image, with that superior reality. And so this 19-year-old kid is like, me, I command you to behave yourself in Jesus' name. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that sounds crazy. And God's like, don't touch it. I'm like, okay. (laughs) He actually got what you've been teaching. And guess what happened to the knee? It got healed. Come on, Jesus. We, we can become so comfortable with this reality that we're carrying that it's not only in us. It's not only resting upon us, which is powerful and wonderful and life-changing. And you go around and you lay hands on the sick and cancer flees and diabetes leaves and Deaf ears open up, people get on wheelchairs, like amazing stuff happens. But you can become so comfortable in this place that it begins to affect atmospheres around you. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with, with our pastor back at Bethel and Reading, Bill Johnson, but he carries this awareness. This is just a hero of mine. But he carries this awareness. He literally could come up and just say, God is good. But this awareness he carries just begins to envelop the whole room. And miracles can begin to happen through the room. No ministry happened. No no preaching happened. Just his awareness began to affect the atmosphere. Come on, Jesus. Does anybody want more of that? Does anybody want more intimacy? There There is... his superior reality, because it is him. And it does transform the world around us. Now, our job isn't to do it. Our job is to trust him. Our job is to release his presence and celebrate what he does. I feel like I should interject this point by saying that the thousands and thousands of miracles that we've seen i mean it's 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 mind boggling i don't i don't even know how i got here <laughs> it's him <laughs> i i remember i remember <clears throat> i didn't grow up in a christian home i got born again i don't know if you know who david hogan is but i got born again in a david hogan meeting so i had a radical beginning <laughs> but i remember just getting a hold of Every everything I could get my hands on that was just oozing the presence of God. And I remember I got a hold of Catherine Kuhlman books. <laughs> I remember sitting on my bed in my early 20s, just reading these Catherine Kuhlman books. And I remember one night specifically reading this book called I Believe in Miracles. Yeah. And reading this book and sitting up in bed, reading this book and crying and going, God, is this stuff possible today? Going, God, will, will, I, will I ever see any of this stuff? Will I ever even see a measure of this through my own life? Oh, thank you, Jesus. And now thousands and thousands of miracles later had meetings where 15, 17 people have all been healed of deafness and in one moment. Wow, it's kind of fun. <laughs> I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> But in that, I want to say this too. I was the director of the healing ministries at Bethel for, for almost seven years. And as I said, I've been I've been traveling for 12 years now, going all over, doing healing meetings, healing conferences, healing schools, healing outreaches, it's healing coming out of the ears. <laughs> that you could say that at least for that, for that seven years, my full-time job, that everything I did had the word healing in the title. So my full-time job was to heal the sick, so to speak. The only problem with that is I don't know how to heal anybody. <laughs> I am no good at my job. <laughs> I, I am happy to announce to you that I am no good at my job. I don't know how to heal anybody. I just know how to hang out with the one who does. <laughs> Our job isn't to do it. Our job is to trust him, recognize who he is, invite him to come and get out of the way. Celebrate what he does, because what we celebrate in the kingdom increases. Come on, Jesus. So I would tell you this, that in the thousands and thousands of miracles that we've seen, there's also the thousands of people that we've prayed for that haven't been healed. And all that, all the healing this and the healing that, I pray for, I pray for hundreds of people a week normally. So there's probably a good chance that I've prayed for more people who haven't been healed than you've maybe ever prayed for people. (laughs) Only a couple people got it. (laughs) It's not our job to be perfect. We We are growing. We are going from glory to glory. And the reality is, I have more today than I had last year. And I'm going to have more next year than I have today because I'm not going to stumble over the things that haven't happened yet. I'm going to recognize that I'm in process. I'm in this dance with God that he enjoys growing me up. He likes to watch the process of me learning and growing and experimenting and winning and in our minds sometimes failing, not getting it right. But recognizing that even when I get it wrong, sometimes I could still get it right. <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna stumble over what hasn't happened. Well, I keep pressing in with joy into what has happened. Come on, Jesus. Wow. If you, want, if you want more of the intimacy that is the presence, that is the superior reality, I just invite you to stand up. Thank you, Father. Oh, hi. <laughs> Thanks, Papa. Yeah. Just just put your hands out in front of you. Wow, because, yeah, this is how you receive a free gift. And it's by grace, not by works, lest anyone should boast. Uh Here's another good word. You don't get to qualify yourself. Jesus Jesus qualifies you. It's not according to what you've done or haven't done. It's according to what he's done. It's not according to what you have or think you don't have, it's according to what he has. It's not according to your goodness, it's his. It's not your perfection, it's his. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and this is, this is maybe unique and not even where I actually felt like it was going, but I feel like that they're to step into the realms of grace because it's not even as much that we have to learn how to do it god already provided the grace we just need to stir up the expect the expectancy inside that he wants to do it and i feel like that right now in this place i feel like that he's erasing the fear of getting it wrong <laughs> what happens what happens if i step out and i pray for somebody and they don't get healed. Well, they might get born again. That's a pretty good <laughs> result. I'd be happy with that every single time. <laughs> oh, there's so much I want to say. I wish I had four hours with you. Let me ask you this. I, I feel like this is important. I'm going to pray. <clears throat> wow. Wow. How good is God? Okay, I feel that this is important. So let me ask you: How many people you got born again in your, you know, late childhood, early teens, or later? I mean, I understand that there's probably lots of people in the room. You know, you got born again at three, you know, four, whatever. You're like, I I, I can't even remember. I've been born again as long as long as I can remember. But then there's those of us who who made a a, a we remember the decision. We remember the moment and that there was a process that led up to that moment. How many people would say that's you? You yeah, got born again later in childhood, teens, adulthood, later on. Now, now, raise your hand. Now, keep your hand up if you can look back and recognize that there was a process that brought you to the point where you said, okay, God, I surrender all. It looks like every single hand is still up. So our Our pastor tells this story that they farmed in biblical days differently than they farm today. In biblical times, they would take the the field that they were going to farm, and they would take the seed that they have, and they would throw it out on the field, and then they would plow the seed into the ground. Today, we plow it, make nice little rows, plant it all, you know, Back then, they would throw the seed, then they plow the seed in the ground. So our pastor says this, wherever you throw the seed attracts the plow. I try this side of the room. <clears throat> wherever you throw the seed attracts the plow. <clears throat> wow, what happens when you step out and you pray for somebody? The world doesn't need the next great evangelist. They just need, they just need a company of people who will live what they believe. They could see it in your eyes. Let me ask you this. When you step out in faith, and it doesn't mean that that the greatest miracle happens. It means that you actually trusted God and you believed what he said. That's faith. And you can't please God apart from that. It doesn't matter what happens after that. Even if nothing happens, a seed is planted. And how good is God? Is Is God good enough that whatever seed you plant, he's faithful enough to follow up? That you're like, there was a process that was involved in my life that got me to the point. So even when you step out in faith, God plants a seed, and you may never see the end result, but that very seed that you plant, just moving out in faith, even if nothing evidently happens, But that actually initiates a chain reaction in their life that God follows up that seed with another encounter, another experience, another. And and you started something that results in them giving their life to Jesus. And you'll never know about it until you get to heaven. But here, I feel like, I feel like God is erasing that fear of getting it wrong. And if, If that's you, I feel like you're just supposed to come up to the front. Why? Because it's an uncomfortable step. (laughs) Step past that fear. Get out of yourself. Get into his grace. You don't have to get it right. You don't have to get it right. Even if you tripped on your way up here. God still accepts your offering. Your sacrifice. We don't have to get it right. That's his job. Yeah, you just come on up front row. Just keep coming. There's a lot of people behind you. That's good. Yeah, that's good. well, yeah. I I guess this is why he had us had had us do this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> If anybody is claustrophobic, we just get you healed of that right now in Jesus' name. (laughs) Erasing the fear of getting it wrong. Erasing the fear of getting it wrong. If you, if you take the pressure off of yourself, the people that you engage, the people that you minister to, they feel it. If you take the pressure off yourself, like, ha oh, ha, if I do this, I've got to get it right. I've got to make it look good. They feel that. And it feels yucky. It feels artificial. It's not the kingdom. Your job, your job is like, ah, oh, I want to create an opportunity for you to have a love encounter with God. For you to have an experience where you could say, God just came near to me. And if your heart is that, then even if they don't get healed, that still can happen. Even if you get the word of knowledge wrong, that still can happen. You'd be amazed at how many encounters God's released, how many people got born again because <laughs> they got a word of knowledge wrong. Like, hey, you have pain in your, in your, your back on the left-hand side? No. But why do you ask? Oh, well, because God heals people, and he speaks to us sometimes. And so I was, just, I was just partnering with God and trying to get it right, but I guess I got it wrong. Really? You see people get healed? Yeah. We see a lot of cool stuff. God's really good. Really? Tell me more about that. Okay. And they end up getting born again. Because you started with the wrong word of knowledge how good is he and even if they don't get born again with you right there in the moment in the cafe or whatever it doesn't matter you've planted a seed that God's faithful to follow up now sometimes there's a dynamic lay hands and everybody whack them and stack them anointing and but I don't feel like this is that. This is, this is just between you and God. But I want you, I want you to close your eyes. And it's, it's pretty tight up here. and I, <clears throat> I want you to see yourself. This is the picture I'm seeing. So I want to give you the picture. But I see windows in people's chests opening up. And I see that out of the window people giving whatever fear they've been harboring to God about getting it wrong. So I want you to go ahead and I want you to be specific. Let God show you. Maybe maybe we don't even know yet. But when we ask God, he'll show us the fear and that we can give it to him. Well, thank you, Father. Just give it to him, give it to him, give it to him. I also felt like I was just supposed to drop this in there. You know, we love we love the instantaneous miracle because it's so easy to celebrate and just see what God did in the moment. We love it, but but there's also a place where God there, where healing is a process, and just a good example is I have a, a man a, a man I know who's a friend that he that he got uh, MS, multiple sclerosis, but he came to the healing rooms for 27 Saturdays in a row. <clears throat> and there was never a moment, there was never a lightning bolt moment when he got healed. And it definitely didn't happen the first Saturday or the second or the third of, or, I believe, I believe that there was a measure happening each and every time, but it wasn't until after the 27th visit in a row that all his symptoms disappeared. Now look, if it happens instantaneously, awesome. We'll take it. But I don't care how it happens. I just want it to happen. If it takes 27 times praying, cool, let's do that. So even that fear of like, oh, I prayed once and nothing happened, I must have got it wrong. No, sometimes it happens instantaneously. Sometimes it's a process. Praying again is perfectly legal. <laughs> I tell you, as the director of the healing ministries for six years, if I prayed for you three times and nothing happened, I I'll tell you to go find a six-year-old and have them pray for you. <laughs> so as you have given the fear up to God, I want you if you can make a basket with your hands or just see yourself with a basket. It's tight quarters. But I want you to see, as God never takes something away without replacing it with something better. That's the nature of redemption. Wow. He never takes it away without replacing it with something better. So I want you, that space that you created by giving the fear to him, I want want you to see God giving you love encounter seeds in place of the fear. And that doesn't mean crazy miracles have to happen, although it will happen sometimes. But the goal is every time just a love encounter seed is released, see him filling your heart, filling your basket, wow, filling the space that was created by you giving him that place. F- Papa, oh, I thank oh, you. Oh, Whoa. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I guess there was a dynamic anointing. <laughs> wow. Father, fill, fill, fill us, Father. In Jesus' name. Yeah, just let them fill your basket. Wow, with love encounter seeds.